somebody that, you know, God, you've been stretched out on God and waiting on God to come through. And the enemy is, is good at trying to make it look like it's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I want you to tell two people he's a liar. He's a liar. You know he get bonuses for that? You know he gets bonuses for that, right? <laughs> he's a liar. And your job is to believe that God is. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And literally, that's where our lesson is today. Somebody shout, he is. He is. Amen. And he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That literally is part of our lesson today. And so I believe that's sitting in the room. It's, it's finished. It's finished. Amen. Uh, Hebrews 11 in your Bibles this morning. So good to see you all. I thank God for all that he is continually doing in our lives. And a uh, couple of verses, jump into this dialogue. Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God, thank you, a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Amen. Anybody else? That's the only testimony you want is that it, it is said about me that I please God. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter what, what, you know, what other accolades that man can lay upon you or, or can be observed of your life. I don't know about you, but I, I want it to be known that I please God. Amen. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the leadership report card. Look, somebody tell me it's, it's, today's your report card day. <laughs> the leadership report card. Now, the reason we went to this, the faith passage here, is because it is faith that scores the leadership report card. Oh, my God. It is faith that scores the leadership report card. All right. Um, and when I say faith or faithfulness scores the leadership report card, I'm talking about, first of all, an, an adherence to a promise. You know, there's some of us, you made God promises you didn't tell other people. Oh, my God. Hello. And one of the reasons you made promises you didn't tell other people because you didn't want human accountability over what you told God. <laughs> That's another lesson all by itself. But every one of us have made some kind of inner vows. Amen. Something we said to God. God, if you did this, I'll do that. You know. Uh, Lord, I promise this time. <laughs> if, you, if you do, then I will. So faithfulness is defined by your adherence to what you committed to. Hello. 
Faithfulness is a fulfillment of an agreement. Amen. Faithfulness is characterized by commitment and loyalty. Amen. One of the reasons that faithfulness has these definitions is because faithfulness really is about an inner vow. It is about an inner vow and a commitment to a conviction. It's a commitment to a conviction. And that's why when it comes to leadership, faithfulness is how the leadership report card is scored. Y'all got that? Look somebody tell them, God is watching how you do things. You know, I, I, I've been thinking, since we've been working through the kings, I've been thinking about what made good kings good and bad kings bad. You know what I realized? Some people don't start out bad. Oh, hello, somebody. They start out with good intentions, but a bad strategy. Hello. They start out with good intentions, but bad influences. They start out with good intentions, but, but no accountability. And good very easily turns bad in the absence of accountability. That's a word right there all by itself. Good very easily turns bad in the absence of accountability. Amen. You know, I, I've been talking about how when you're when you're a person of integrity, you don't mind interrogation. Look, somebody tell them, ask me questions, and I'll tell you truths, not church truths. Come on, the truth. Because I don't know about you, but one of the reasons that we go towards say I go towards accountability. Now, why going? Towards accountability helps you to remain faithful. Well, come on, somebody. Going towards accountability helps us to remain and keep our hearts in alignment with what we committed to. You know, when you took on a leadership position, you were also supposed to take on a leadership posture. And leadership position and leadership posture are two different things. When I take on a leadership position, Right? I may be assigned a position. I have to take on a posture. Which means, somebody shout, every time I show up, it's about somebody else. Oh my God. Every time I have a conversation, it's about somebody else. I was talking to somebody yesterday. I'm like, you realize I cannot be benefited by this conversation, right? Every time I have a conversation, it's about your well being, it's about where you're going in life. This doesn't serve me. This doesn't serve my interest. A nap would serve my interest right now. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Look at somebody tell them, my engagement of you engagement can only help you. Only you know what I just described? Leadership. My engagement of you can only help you. Now, here's another commitment because I understand the essence of leadership. Write this down. I will do no harm. If I can't help you, that's why I'm avoiding you. Oh my God. That's the Hippocratic oath. Hello? Do no harm. If I say if I can't help you, I'm gonna stay at your face. Because one thing I'm not gonna do is bring you harm. Y'all got that? And that will be an act of faithlessness. That would that would prove me to be unfaithful in my assignment if I use my position in order to bring harm to other people. Y'all got that? 
Another thing I was thinking of this morning, matter of fact, I posted it before I got here. Restless souls fabricate seasonal changes and are always falling short of promised harvest. One of the things that you have to do in your leadership process and as you grow and mature as a leader is you gotta make sure that you squeeze all restlessness out of your soul. Why? Because wherever there's restlessness in the soul of a leader, you won't stay the course to obtain what was promised. Understand that? You know, church people are good at making up seasonal changes. I feel like my, I feel like my season is up. No, you're weary and well-doing. <laughs> I feel like my season is up. No, you need a vacation. Hello. You need a break. But don't make up a seasonal change. Come on. Don't make up a seasonal change because a wind blew over your soul. Come on, somebody. How do I know when it's time to make a change? Have you gotten the promise God, the promise God made to you? Have you received the harvest God promised you? Come on. Uh, are you tired or has the grace lifted? Come on, let somebody tell them tired don't mean quit. It means rest. You understand that? And nothing will make you more restless than worry. Y'all realize most weariness starts with the soul. It has nothing to do with the physical body. It starts with, with, with not being able to really, right? Not being able to really bring the soul under the order to really remain in the peace of God, because the peace of God passes what? Just oh, might don't make no sense how much peace I got. <laughs> look, somebody tell me I got so much peace. It almost looked like I don't care about nothing. <laughs> and I really don't, because he cares for me. Apostle, could you repeat what you posted? You said a whole sermon in one sentence, I mean, or two sentences. Restless souls fabricate seasonal changes and are always falling short of promised harvest. There are some people say they season up because they got to work with somebody they don't like. There are some people will listen. They will hear from God. Now they ain't heard of God about nothing else. But when they got to work with somebody they don't like, I feel like my season is up. Yeah. Look at my tell you lying. <laughs> I'm not saying you're lying. I'm saying it's a fabrication of the truth. <laughs> you made that up. Come on, somebody. Did, all right. Did God connect you to anything to leave it the same? Hello? Leaders don't connect to anything to leave. My God, y'all didn't hear what I just said. Whenever a leader connects to anything, say this with me, whenever a leader connects to anything, they take it to a new dimension. Hello, somebody. God, never, why would God, why would God anoint you to leave things the same? So, your season is up, but the same paradigm you were inserted to shift hasn't shifted. How is your season up? 
come on. It's exactly like it was before you plugged in. That means you haven't fulfilled your assignment. Now why? Because you can be annoyed or anointed, but you can't be both. And normally what the enemy will do to keep you out of an anointing is to trap you in an annoyance. You understand that? Nothing moves the heart of immature people more than being annoyed by somebody. When you're in your flesh, people in their flesh bother you. Oh my God. Why? Because you chose to live too low. You understand that? Look somebody tell me I'm above that foolishness. Now what that look like? I'm gonna come in here and be excellent no matter what you do. You understand that? Say I'm here to shift things. Come on, somebody shout, I'm here to shift things. I'm here to shift Now, that's what leadership is all about. You understand that? Now, don't get, also when you're mature, you're not distracted by problems. Oh God, there's so many problems, there's so much confusion. Tell somebody, that shouldn't distract you. God's answer to problems is leadership. Oh God, help us. Remember the problem of the Israelites dwelling in insecurity, walls broken down, people were in a state of despair. What did God send them? Leadership. What was Nehemiah? A leader. What happened when Nehemiah got involved? The walls were what? Rebuilt. The gates were what? Reestablished. The hope of the people was what? Revitalized. Why? Because leaders are inserted to change. Leaders are inserted to change things, solve problems, and transition people. <clears throat> it should never be the same after you got involved. If it is, you're not a leader. You understand that? Because leadership is about change. So, is my season up or have I fabricated? Alright, so, so here's the question. Has the paradigm shifted under your influence? Oh, God. No, you quit just like the last person couldn't change it. <laughs> Why? Because you got so distracted by the problems that you couldn't be anointed by the problem solved. See that? Because if you were hearing from God and doing what he said, you could have been the catalyst for what? Change. Every time there's change, there has to be a what? Somebody got to have. Listen, in order to start a fire, what does that have to first be? Gotta be a spark. But now here's the reality. All it takes is a spark to start a raging wildfire. Isn't that right? See that? So everything about leadership makes me a catalyst for change. Has the paradigm shifted under my influence? If not, listen, if not, my season is not up. Alright. Has the grace lifted or do you just need a break? And what I mean by that is this. You shouldn't be doing anything other than worshiping God seven days a week. Hello. Then everybody needs to rest. Now you know what makes it helpful? I find a, a, lot, of, a lot of believers, especially leaders, because I pastor pastors, right? They don't know how to rest in their work and incorporate rest in their week. Oh, God. So they wear out. Write this down. Good people fail for a lack of maintenance. Oh my God. Good people, sincere people fail for a lack of maintenance. Y'all understand that? You know, when you look at my schedule, my schedule is designed to not kill me. Right. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Now, you know what? I pray.
personally know leaders that are so insecure they have to be at their ministry every time anything is going on. Anybody ever seen that? They got to have their hands on everything. Why? Insecurity will wear you out. Hello, somebody. Insecurity will wear you out. Oh, I just showed up. But leader, it's your day off. Why are you showing up? Oh, it's getting quiet over here. It, I just showed up to check on y'all. We didn't need you checking on us. Didn't you train us well? If you're secure, you'll train us well. If you're insecure, you'll train us just short of competence. If you're insecure, you'll train people just enough so that they will need you at some point in the process. Hello. But when you are secure, you train to be what? Uh, two words. Unneeded and easily replaceable. Y'all understand that, believers? Now, you know what that speaks to? Somebody shout, I'm mature. And what does that mean? That means you can't work around me without being competent. Oh, my God. Look somebody tell them, I will find your incompetence and I will kill it. Come on, look somebody tell them, I will tell somebody, I will find your incompetence and I will kill it. It will die under my influence. Gotta bring it to another point. Incompetence should die under your influence. Hello. If you're a leader, incompetence should die under your influence. Does that make sense? You know, the people work with me and tell you. I'm like, I want you to see what I see. So you do what I do when I ain't here. So I'm on you until you see what I see. Why? Because I don't want it to be that progress stops when I take the day off. Y'all not hear what I said. Listen, I tell them, progress should never stop because you took the day off. Now watch it now. If progress ceases when you take the day off, watch it now. You are handicapping your team. You are the hindrance. You are the problem. Every pastor, listen, every pastor that I, I now lead that was pastoring a non-progressive church, they were frustrated when they're ready to quit. Once I could get them to see they were the problem, their whole church changed. They're like, Pastor, I want your wisdom. I want to understand how you did what you did and how you do what you do. I said, come on in. <laughs> so how you do this and how you do that? I said, well, tell me about you. So who's in charge of this? So tell me about your team. So tell me about your, your, your personal. So tell me about your art, right? Tell me about your system. Tell me, right? Ed, right? Oh, you're the problem. Because wherever you go, your ministry will never function better than you. How can you have a thriving ministry if you have a thriving household? Oh, Lord, all right. Hello? How, how can you have a, a, a ministry of excellence and you don't practice personal excellence? Wherever you go, there you are. Come on, somebody. If you all broken down, no one of your ministry broken down, too. Because, think, listen, because everything is established as a result of values or principles. Y'all got that? So how can you have corporate principles that you don't espouse personally. Yeah. Oh my God. I just want to be successful. I want to be prosperous. Do you have a budget at home? No. Then how are you going to operate by one in your, in your corporation? 
You won't believe in it. You won't do it. You won't commit to it, and it won't bear the fruit that diligent management and stewardship would, would, bear, would bear out in your life. Y'all got that? So wherever you go, there you are. Y'all understand that? My season is up. All right? So have you gotten the harvest that God promised? Did, did God tell you about a certain reality that will be birthed in you as a result of this encounter and experience, and do you see that reality? Did the paradigm shift as a result of your involvement? Has the grace lifted? What do you mean by that? When the grace lifts, God now said, listen, God says I haven't abandoned you. I just won't help you with that anymore. So watch what God does. God starts talking to you about what he will help you with. When the grace lifts, the conversation changes. Write that down. When the grace lifts, the conversation changes. So God says, I haven't abandoned you. I just won't, I won't help you with what you're supposed to pass to somebody else now. Hello? Matter of fact, here's what I'm doing now. I'm giving them ideas that are better than yours. Oh, Lord Jesus. Now, if you're not mature, then you will think that to be a provocation to you when in fact, if you are mature, you want your successor to do better than you ever have. If you are mature, you want your successor to take things where? To another level. Why would God anoint you to leave it the same as he anointed me to create? Does that make sense? So when the grace shifts, when the grace lives, right, the conversation changes. God stops talking to you about this thing. God stops giving you ideas. God stops, listen, God stops giving you the things you need to do it because he don't want you to do it. Mm. Oh, Lord Jesus. Y'all heard that? But now, but now, listen, there is, say, say it with me, there's a new conversation going on. Now the question is, are you too busy to hear it? Because if you're still busy with what's changing, you won't hear what the conversation is right now. And there's some people, the reason you can't hear the new conversation is because all of your faculties are still trapped in the old order. Tell somebody, make yourself unneeded. Make yourself unneeded. You understand that? Y'all notice, this is what God did when he was getting ready to shift the children of Israelite from the leadership of Moses to the leadership of Joshua. He, this is what he said. First of all, he said, Moses, you are not who I'm going to use for the next phase of this. Hello. Now, this is why every time, I want y'all to think about this. Every time God told Moses, I want you to come up and see me, Joshua was with him. That's right. Isn't that right? Nobody else. Right? Joshua was right there, serving, serving Moses. You can't replace the person you won't serve. You don't qualify to replace a person you won't serve. When you serve the person before you, right, then you don't you don't do anything in competition with them. Y'all do not hear what I just said. When you serve the person that was before you, then you don't see your leadership as a competition to what they need. Y'all do not hear what I just said. Because serve, servitude is a posture of what? Humility. Thank you. 
I'm so glad you listened to my lessons. <laughs> the Bible said Jesus humbled himself, taking on the form of what? Say humility has a posture. The posture of humility is always servitude. I know I'm humble. Who do you serve? If you don't serve nobody, you ain't humble. The Bible, this is, the Bible gave us the definition of the posture of humility. The posture of humility is servitude. Ask somebody, who do you serve? Whose well-being do you serve? Whose interest do you serve? Right? What process do you serve? Do you serve God? Does that make sense, believers? All right? So one of the reasons that there was no competition in Joshua's mind concerning the ministry of Moses. Why? Because he was Moses' servant. My God, help me. Now watch the seamless transition of a whole nation to another leader. God said, I want you to call Joshua out. Here's what I want you to do. Put some of your glory on him. And don't do it in the back prayer room. Do it out in the midst of the people. Y'all got that? Look somebody tell them, that's secure leadership. Now, not only is that secure leadership, that's leadership that cares more about people than their position. If you're going to transition with God, you have to care more about the people than your position. If you're going to keep transitioning with God, next thing we know, Moses is on, on, up there talking to Jesus in front of Peter, James, and John. Transcended. Moses didn't go in, he went up. Just because he didn't go in don't mean he didn't go up. But next time we see him, he's in the transfiguration. He's standing there with Jesus, Peter, James, and John. He didn't go in, but look at my job. He didn't go in, but he went up. Y'all got that? But now when you care about people more than your position, then you want them to be well, even if it's not you that's making them well. Numbers, listen to what Moses said. Let the Lord set a man over the congregation that they may not be like sheep that have no shepherd. You know what he said? God, if you take me, don't leave them alone. Right. You know what he cared about? Their transition. He said, you know, God, you know what Moses prayed? Please re re replace me with someone that loves people. Mm. Yeah. Oh, God. You know what Moses prayed? Please replace me with a nurturer. My God, help me. The Lord told me I'm going to go to another level, right? You know what you should pray? Lord, please replace me with a nurturer. Oh, my God. The Lord showed me that my season is changing. I'm about to shift to another level. Say, Lord, please replace me with a nurturer. Oh, my God. The Lord told me I'm about to make a shift, right? Lord, please replace me with a nurturer. That was a prayer of a man that loved people. I got that? So now watch this now. So, 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 so Moses, so the successful transition of people had to do with them transitioning from Moses' leadership to Joshua's leadership. There was no competition involved, right? Because Joshua was anointed for the next. And part, watch it now. He was anointed for the next by God. He was prepared for the next by Moses. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Just because you got God's anointing don't mean you don't need man's preparation. Hello, somebody. I don't need nobody. The Lord told me how to do it. You don't have to deal with nobody. Somebody, somebody tell me. Somebody got 
nice to people. Hello, somebody. <laughs> All right. So, so have I fabricated seasonal change or is my season up? Have I made this up? Am I falling short? Listen, if I have not gotten the harvest, God promised. There's something God told me, right? God told me what's in it for me going into it. Yes, Lord. Oh, God. Has that been actualized? Has that been realized? God told me I would shift the paradigm. Can I see that things are better and different, another scale because of my involvement? Has the conversation changed? Is God now talking to me about a whole nother arena, right? Because when the grace changes, when the grace shifts, right, that empowerment of God, the conversation changes. And then lastly, how about train my replacement? Write this down. God does not leave vacancies. The Lord told me my season is up. Who's going to replace you? I don't know. That's between you and God. No, it ain't. Hello? No, it ain't. That's between you and God. Hello? You should have been aware of who that person was. So that you could be intentional about their development while you were operating. Wow. Come on, somebody. Where is Elijah and Elisha? You understand that? Where is Elijah and Elisha? Where is Elisha and Gehazi? There's always somebody that's supposed to be being developed that God intends to use next. And the leader is supposed to be aware of who that is and be intentional about grooming and developing that person. God doesn't leave vacancies. Immature people leave vacancies. Or, even worse, saboteurs leave vacancies. You understand that? When I quit, I never want this to be done again. That's a saboteur. They gonna struggle. You know, I had somebody that left our church. I had somebody that has left our church tell people that our church is gonna fall apart when they left. True story. I said I had somebody that left our church Tell somebody that our church is going to fall apart when they left. Anybody that? What is that? That's a saboteur. You overestimate your value to this. Yes. Now, say this with me. If it's worth doing, if it's worth doing, even if I don't do it anymore. Right or right? Because the value, this is what I have to tell leaders that are uh, hit bump ahead. The value is the impact on the lives of those who are on the other end of what we do. That's where the value is. It's, on, it's, it's the people on the other end of our service. That's what this is about. You understand that? It's those people on the other end of our, our beneficiaries. They're beneficiaries of our, of our organization. It's about them. It ain't about us. We got to get us together so we can serve them better. Does that make sense? So now, that's how you know whether you are fabricating seasonal change or if your season is actually changing. Y'all got that? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up for a moment and I'm going to talk about season, okay? We talk about seasons like they start with harvest. <laughs> this is a new season, after the... No. No. See, just my seasons don't start with harvest. They start with work. Seasons start with work. They don't start with harvest. Seasons don't even guarantee a harvest if you won't do the work. 
how you're doing things, tell somebody you have to double up. So now the point I'm making, I really want you to get this, right? That the, every season starts with work. Say it with me. Every season, every season begins with work, work and a death. Okay? I got a dinosaur I didn't die to last season. Hello? I'm talking about me. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about me. I have to die to something I didn't die to last season. That's the beginning of this season. Right? Right? The germination is a process. Processes mean I'm in the hands of somebody else. You have to be secure to put yourself in the hands of somebody else. Real security is not you in charge. Real security is God. God told God told me you are to mentor me into my next level. And I ain't letting nothing I see in you distract me from that process. Come on, somebody. Because there are some of us, God trying to bring this person, listen, God bringing this person for a certain purpose. Say season. season. God's trying to grow something very specific. Say specific. specific. Seasons are specific. When you're growing in this field, maters or potatoes, right? It can't be both. It's one or the other. Right? Chase two rabbits, you catch neither one of them. Right? So you gotta be doing something. Oh, Lord, He that chases two rabbits catches neither of them. You can't chase two women either. <laughs> just one. Thank you, Just Jim. one. <laughs> Good insight. But now, say it's either or. So now, the question is, what, right? What are you growing in? Now, watch it now. Not what are you growing in this season. What are you growing in this season? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Ask somebody, what are you growing in this season? What are you growing in this season? You got to be growing into something. Seasons are not about experiences. They are about growth. Now, when you grow, your experiences change. Y'all hear what I said? Y'all hear what I just said? I said, when you grow, then more money can come into your life. When you grow, then you can have greater influence. When you grow, then God can trust you with true riches. When you grow, then God can shift you into certain paradigms, which means seasons are predicated upon growth. Seasons are about growth. And growth is about death. And death is always a choice. Y'all got that? So that's what a season is about. Seasons begin with work, right? A death and a process. Now, and every season, oh my God, oh my God. Here are you are, look, the season I just came out of. Every, oh my God, this one right here gonna mess you up. Every season ends with the proof that you learn from it. Wow. Hello? If you still reason in the same way you reasoned the last season of your life, you have no fruit that this season even mattered. Every season ends with the proof that you learn from it. Come, ask my where's the fruit? Fruit is the evidence that the process actually took place. The process is not your announcement. 
Oh, the season the Lord just took me to. Ask somebody, where's the evidence? Ask somebody, my God. Ask somebody, where's the evidence? Where's the evidence that all them gyrations you were going through matter? We saw you with your tail eat all on. We saw you pressing in. That you didn't waste the season. Write this down. Fruit is proof. Fruit is proof. Y'all got that? Fruit is proof. All right. Let me move on to the lesson I planned. <laughs> Restless souls fabricate seasonal changes and are always falling short of promised harvests. Y'all got that? Hebrews 11.1 1 is where we started and never moved. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence. Say evidence. evidence. It is the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtain a good report. I want you to take note of this, all right? Because faithfulness is our report card as leaders, all right? Through faith, the elders obtain a good report, which means a good report with God is seen through faithfulness and leadership. Y'all got that? Now, that brings me to a point I want you to write down. Faithfulness must always be demonstrated. Demonstrated. Y'all got that? Demonstrated. There is a demonstration of faithfulness. You understand that? Yeah, faithfulness is not something I, I brag about, that I possess, or that I am. It is always about demonstration. Key elements of being a faithful leader. Number one, always understanding your assignment. Yes. How can you be faithful to what you are ignorant of? Which means if you're going to be faithful to God in a leadership position, you have to understand the assignment. Y'all got that? What is God, say this with me, what is God up to? With my influence. Oh my God. What is God up to with my influence? Oh God. What is God's agenda with my influence? You know what perversion is? When you use your influence in a way God never intended. Oh my God. Perversion is when we use our influence in a way God never intended. You understand that? Well, I have influence for the assignment. You understand that, believers? So one key to faithfulness is that I've got to understand my assignment. See, it's my job to understand my assignment. Now, if man have to keep clarifying your assignment, you ain't seeking God. That's true. Oh, God, help me. I don't care what man assigns you to do. Only God can convict you to do it. Hello? So is this by election or conviction? Hello? Is this just that somebody selected you for a position? Right? That's not enough to birth conviction. Conviction is born between my heart and the Holy Ghost. Say that with me. Conviction is born. Conviction is the baby of commitment born between my heart and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Conviction is the baby of conviction born between my heart and the Holy Ghost. Once you get conviction, you no longer need anybody to tell you to do it. Once you get conviction, you don't have to be reminded it's your turn. Come on, somebody. Once you get convicted, then nobody can pump you out of your role. I'm going to just let them have it because they're causing me so much trouble. They just let them have it. Sis, 
somebody else would be doing it with the way they were chosen. You were to live it up. Understand that? And so for somebody to give you an assignment and you haven't gotten with God, who births conviction? Oh, God. My pastor gave me assignments. I got with God. God said, here's what I'm doing. Oh, my God. Which means, here's what this role means to you. What man does, God did first. But you got to get with God to tell you what he did through man's decision. God's choice is before the man chose Man choose you because God did. So that's why when man chooses, you got to get with God to see what he meant when man chose Y'all hear what I just said. Say my times are in his hand. Say my seeds are in his hand. Say my steps are ordered by God. So when somebody chooses me, that's God's choice. Y'all hear what I just said. That's God's choice. They just heard something. They don't even have to admit it's God. I know it's God. So I got to get with my God. So I got to get with God to see what he meant by inspiring them to choose me. Yeah. That's good. But now, anytime a leader don't see God, then they blame the person that chose them because they don't know what to do. <laughs> Hello? If you were chosen for it, should you seek God so you know how to do it? Yes. You understand that? That makes sense? If God, y'all know if God gave you a role, he'll give you intel on how to perform the role. This is my experience. I said, this is my experience. Look at somebody tell me, can't nobody teach me how to be the leader I'm supposed to be. God has to teach me what I'm supposed to know about this assignment. God has to teach me. And then we fault people, right? I said, I'm leaving that church because, you know, this leader can't develop me in my potential. Anybody ever been you? I'm the first to admit, ain't nobody like Mark Jones. 
So I'm not gonna do nothing. Well, that's pretty sorry. That's sorry. You won't find pity from me. Get all your blessed assurance and glorify God with your gifts. You understand that? I can't do it like them, so I'm not gonna do anything. That doesn't glorify God. That doesn't meet needs. It doesn't serve people, and it ain't helping you. All right. That's good. 
So always understand the assignment. This is what faithfulness looked like as a leader. Somebody shout, I understand the assignment. Faithfulness as a leader means you have and you possess excuseless maturity. Come on, mature without an excuse. You understand that? One of the ways you know that a leader has not matured is that the moment something go wrong, you know the word come out of their mouth? They. They. Right? Trauma response to correction. Right? Fight, flight, or freeze. <laughs> Hello? Correction is to help me do better. It is to help me align with God's intent. It is to pull out my true potential. That's what correction is supposed to do. If you feel victim, victimized or traumatized by correction, you are already in a trauma condition. You understand that? Here's the third thing that typifies faithfulness as a leader. Unparalleled commitment. Unparalleled commitment. You understand that? Just absolutely, unequivocally committed to what God said, when God said, how God said, no matter who else said, whatever they said. Yeah. <laughs> you understand that, believers? What does faithfulness look like? Unshakable consistency. Say unshakable consistency. Unshakable. What does that mean? I'm going to be doing this until God tells me to do something else. I'm going to be doing this to God tell me to do something else. You understand that? I'm going to be doing this the way I do it until God tell me to do something else. Unshakable consistency. Does that make sense? Talking to somebody yesterday about respect. And I was telling them nothing garners respect more than consistency. Mm -hmm. It is hard to be disrespectful to a consistent person. Yeah. You understand that? Which means, tell somebody, you teach people how to treat you. Hebrews 11.4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. God said it was more excellent. Abel never said, my sacrifice better than yours. God made that distinction. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testified of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. Now, faithfulness can also be seen, watch this, in the quality of your sacrifices. Faithfulness can be seen in the quality of your sacrifices. Y'all got that? Look at somebody tell them, don't be giving God your goodwill time. <laughs> your goodwill commitment. Come on, somebody. Your, good, your goodwill service. Some of us right now, this is the way God, God get whatever I got left. Wow. Wow. You sloppy seconds say sloppy seconds. God get whatever I got left. He never gets the first. You see, and he better be grateful if he get the last. Right? Faithfulness is seen in the quality of your sacrifices. So the question of this is, what sacrifices are you making for your assignment? See, every one of us should be making certain sacrifices for the assignments that have been given to us by God. If man gave you an assignment, God gave you an assignment. Oh my God. I said, if man gave you an assignment, God gave you an assignment. Make sense? Samuel anointed David as king. Why? Because God anointed David as king. All right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
God used a man to say what he was saying. Oh. I said, God used a man to say what he was saying. God anointed David as king, right? But Samuel anointed David as king. Samuel did what God had done. It was done in the mind of God. So God sent a man to do what God had already done. Y'all see how that worked? Now, so I, I should be making sacrifices for my assignment. Number two, what are you doing that is above the norm or the status quo? Now, you know how we never shift the paradigm of, of, of this ministry? Is that we only maintain the status quo. That's how we never shift the paradigm of the ministry. Whatever area you're responsible for right now, it listen, it ought to be remarkably different since you've gotten involved. If it's not, you don't understand your assignment. And you're not in competition with who was there before you. That is arrogance. That is pride. You ain't in competition with them. Because if they had laid the foundation, you wouldn't be there anyway. They built it to where that you wouldn't even you wouldn't even be there if they weren't there. You understand that, believers? Alright? So say I understand my assignment. Here's the third thing. Oh my God. Pay attention to this. If you were only rewarded for the extra, that which is above and beyond the requirement, how would you be rewarded? If God only rewarded you for what you did above and beyond the norm, how would your reward look? Hello? Hello? Y'all know there's no benefit in being the same. Hello? There's no benefit in being the status quo. There's no benefit. You know what some of us do? Just enough to get by. No more. And that's how you know that you're, you're in a very apathetic place. Oh my God. That's how you know. Listen, you know what I learned about God? The more you seek God, the more excellence it, it, it exudes from your being. The more you seek God. As you, are, if, as you are seeking God, that seeking God causes you to want to keep shifting the environment around. That's true. Y'all hear what I just said? Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. Now, but what is that? That means that someone shout, I'm a seeker of God. So God, this this exceeding glorious God is pulling excellence out of me. Oh God, help me! So every time, every time I worship God and go back to my work, I want to take my work to the next level. Oh God, y'all hearing me? That's why nobody in your job should outperform you. Y'all not hear what I just said? And nobody in the workplace should perform better than a believer. That's it. That's true. Why? Because you will see who I worship and how I work. You can't slight men and think you're honoring God. I'm going to say that again. You can't slight men and think you're honoring God. Bible said Daniel had a what? Come on. Daniel had a what? And he outperformed everybody that wanted the governor position. You know who got, you know who got elevated? The obvious choice. <laughs> Y'all know who got elevated in the land? The obvious choice. See that? The spirit in, oh my God, the spirit in him wouldn't let him do just enough to get by. Now, if you're fine doing just enough to get by and never shifting the paradigm, you're not a true worshiper of God. Because you cannot worship God and not have this excellence flowing out of your spirit that keeps driving things to greater dimensions. You're not a true worshiper if that's you. 
Because there's no way you can seek him and leave things the same. Because seeking him changes you. And then you go and do what? Change things. Oh, man. I, I, oh, Lord, I feel something in the room right there. That's what I felt. <laughs> man, there's no way. Literally, and I, I'm not being extra. You go to the job, right? There's no way production stays at the same level when you show up. There's no way. You go into a, a disorganized office. Now forget, my, to my last job. When I came in at my last job before coming into full-time ministry, right? I came in a job and the company had uh, an expectation and didn't have systems to match that expectation. So I walked in, now remember, I came in, I took an assistant uh, uh, manager position, coming from a GM position. So I'm like, I don't want all the responsibility right now because God's doing something in me. He was forming this ministry up, right? But I came into that workplace, right? And I saw the company's expectations. And I saw that, okay, there are no day-to-day -day systems to make sure that we can procure these expectations. You know the first thing I created? Systems. Whoa. I created systems. You right? Now everybody plug into the system and make the system. Listen, you're, if you make the system that creates the expectation normal to the way everyone performs, then we will hit the marks without even trying. We made more money than anybody else in our in our company. You understand that? We outperformed expectations year over year, growth every single year. Every single year, we had year over year growth. Every single year, our revenue grew. Every single year, we had operational profit. Every single year. I came in there. I didn't even want to be a general manager because I was creating this ministry at the time. I'm like, I want to be an assistant. Let somebody else be responsible for it all. That only lasted for a year before they said, nope, you're it. Literally, I walked into, I walked into work one day, sat down at the table with the district leaders and my boss. They slid the keys across the table to me. I said, what is this? They said, this place is yours now. I didn't want that. I didn't want it, but my spirit couldn't stop it. You know why I didn't want it? I had been a general manager. All my life up to that point, I just want to break. I want to just be somebody's assistant. I just want to stop and help somebody so I can, I feel like God's building something. Manifestation worldwide is being formed, right? So I didn't want all the responsibility because I knew, matter of fact, my first organizational meeting for this church was in the back of that company that I ran. Right in the back of that company, 20 people. You understand that? That was our first organizational meeting. So I didn't want all the responsibility. But my spirit, my spirit made them give it to me. Y'all did not hear what I just said. My spirit forced them to choose me. Yes. Why? Say, I have an excellent spirit. Say again, I have an excellent spirit. My, say, my spirit always shifts the paradigm. Always. It ain't never the same once the believer get involved. So if you're a worshiper of, oh my God, if you're a worshiper of God and he keeps revealing himself, say, he's changing me. And then me, it's changing things. That's how it works. That's just the truth of how it works. So nobody on your job should be out performing you. All right, man. Come on, man. I, all right. I'm talking about believers. I'm talking about seekers of God. I'm talking about those that are like Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. They had, they had excellent spirits. Why? Because they were servants of God in a perverse generation. Yes. Make sense? They stood out. 
Daniel prayed three times a day. See, he was a seeker of God. And that seeking God caused him to be sensitive to the things he needed to do to shift the environment around him. Yes. That makes sense? You can't seek God and be fine with things being out of order. Yes. Yes. You can't! All right. Lastly, Hebrews 11.5. Oh, my God. Ooh, Lord. By faith. Here it is. By faith, Enoch was translated so that he could not see, he, so that he did not see death. Right? He was not found because God translated him. For before his translation, he had a testimony. My God. That he pleased God. So write this down. Faithfulness is seen in my consistent walk with God. My consistent walk with God. And my obvious desire to please God. So here's some questions I want you to consider. Okay. As a leader, am I walking? Uh, right. As a leader, have I demonstrated a posture of worship to the observers in my walk? Remember, this says clearly that he had this testimony. Who was this testimony with? Men. He had a testimony among men that he pleased God. Oh my God. So watch this now. So as a leader, have I demonstrated a posture of worship to those who are observing my walk? Listen, I tell them, somebody's watching your walk with God right now. Come on, tell somebody, somebody's watching your walk. Somebody is watching your walk with God and making decisions about God because of your walk right now. Isn't that true? Somebody's watching your walk with God. Oh, my God. And here's the magnitude of your influence. They're making decisions about God watching your walk with God. Yeah. 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 There are some people that say, I got to get closer to God. Watch, because I watched your closeness with God. I got to get closer with God. Why? Because I watched your sensitivity to the Spirit of God. I got to get closer to God. Why? I watched your faithfulness. Right? I got to get closer to God. Why? I know you know they're speaking all evil of you, yet you keep showing up with joy, with peace, and producing. See that? So there are always people watching your walk with God that are deciding if they're going to walk with God. That's what it was with Enoch. He had a testimony that he pleased God. As a leader, am I walking in a pattern of elevation that inspires others? Does my walk pull greatness out of people? Come on, ask somebody, is my walk pulling greatness out of you? Come on, look at somebody, ask them. is my walk pulling greatness out of you? Hey, hey, is my walk pulling greatness out of my walk? If I'm leading you, my walk ought to be summoning something in you to rise to another level. If me in your life leads you the same, you don't need me in your life. Right or right? Not in your life to leave you the same. Everything about leadership is change. Make sense? Matter of fact, here's another free one. Leadership is the answer of how to make change. The question is, how do I make change? The answer is leadership. Leadership is the answer of the question people have. How do I make change? Y'all got that? As a leader, Am I walking in a pattern of elevation that inspires others? Can people see what God approves of by watching my walk with him and with other men? My God. Can people see what God... Oh, Lord. Listen to what I just said. Can people see 
What God approves of, Amen. watching my walk with him and other men. Amen. Who did Jesus grow in favor and stature with? Oh, so it's not enough to be godly. You have to also be brotherly. Oh, yeah. That's right. Sisterly. Oh, so I have to be anointed and nice. Oh, so I have to hear God and get along with my peers. Oh, so I have to be anointed and respect the anointings of others. Jesus grew in stature with God and me. You understand that? And normally people that aren't growing in stature with men brag about they only need God. Yes. That's good. That's good. That's right. Yet if Jesus was the pattern of what it looked like to serve God, and he grew in stature with God and men, then watch it now. How can you become more godly and less kind? How can you how can you hear God and be the author of confusion? <laughs> Come on, ask somebody, how can you be one with God and cause division with people? How? Because you don't understand that you gotta grow in both dimensions. You gotta grow in both dimensions. You gotta grow in both dimensions. I do God, but I don't do people. Then you're not godly. <laughs> Seeking God is not supposed to make you arrogant. It's supposed to make you godly. Now, tell somebody your godliness has to be tested. Come on, tell somebody your godliness has to be tested through human relationships. All right, scripture. How can you say the love of God you haven't seen? Yet hate your brother. That means that if I'm godly, it will withstand the test of how I treat other people. That's right. Yeah. That's right, right. right. Say, if I'm godly, it'll right. show up in how I deal with other people. Now, if I'm ungodly, come on. And I can be re religious, I can be religious and not be godly. You can go through all I pray and all I come to church and all the rigmarole. That's going to make you godly. Your godliness is going to show up in your interpersonal relationship. And so is your ungodliness. Anytime you have animosity with God's children, you are ungodly. Anytime you have unforgiveness with God's children, you are ungodly. Anytime you always got division with God's children, you are ungodly. Anytime you got bitterness or strife with God's children, you are ungodly and going through the, the rituals of your religious habits. Because wherever there are claims to godliness, there have to be human trials. I don't deal with too many people. Right, because your soul can't bear too many people. You don't have depth. You don't have depth. You have no range. You can only deal with the people you can control. There are some of us right now. You cannot, listen, you can, it cannot be that everybody around you are just docile little people. There are times when people that know who they are show up, and you cannot be intimidated when you deal with somebody that got as much confidence as you say you have. And it doesn't take, tell somebody, my confidence don't take, don't take away your, come on, tell somebody, my confidence is no threat to yours. Look, somebody tell them, my confidence 
Any claim to godliness must be tested by human relationships. You are not godly because you said so. You're God. I say, where the fruit? Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? All righty. You see it another way. Anytime the only people can deal with you are the people that benefit from you, something wrong with that. I'm going to deal with you too if you're my right to work. Hello? I do. You, you feed me three meals a day, I'm going to do you. Hello? But that doesn't make you godly. That doesn't make you godly. That, that doesn't even make you beneficial. You understand that? Because sometimes there are people who need to be, to be needed. So they do extra for needy people because they need to be needed. Yeah. All right, man, let me move on. I got to get, all right, I just got to stop this madness. Wow. All right, so watch this now. So, oh my God. So can people see what God's, God approves of by watching my walk with him among men? Write this down. Faith pleases God. That's the point of the text. Faith pleases God. Here's another one. Faith seeks, faith seeks God. Yeah. All right? And then thirdly, Faith is rewarded by God. So faith pleases God. Faith seeks God. Faith is always rewarded by God. When you walk in faith, you're not concerned about human reward. Tell us, my, I do not have to see that you appreciate me. Oh, Lord, sorry, I could not even say it. Long as I know I'm pleasing God, I don't need human rewards. You know what I found out about men? They never compensate you at the level of your true sacrifice. You can't send me a cash out big enough for what I do. So watch this now. So faith, say my faith is rewarded by God. So now my focus is only doing what's rewardable. So you gotta ask yourself before you do it, is this rewardable? Can God be glorified with this? Will God reward this? If not, why do it? You understand that? Faith pleases God. Faith seeks God. And ultimately, faith is rewarded by God. All right? Question of the hour, and I'm going to close with this. Is my leadership extraordinary? Say it with me. Is my leadership, is my leadership extraordinary? extraordinary? Now, I'm talking about home. I'm talking about work. If what I'm teaching you is only good for church, it's a waste of your time. Right. I'm talking about life. Yeah. Is my leadership extraordinary? Watch this now. If it's not, then I can only influence people to be ordinary. Hello? Come on, ask somebody, are you remarkable? Come on, ask somebody else, are you remarkable? When it went, oh my God, are, are you remarkable? Is your leadership extraordinary? That's a question I want every person to think about when you leave this place. Is your leadership extraordinary? Why? Because if it's not, Watch it now. Then you can only lead people ordinary. Is it only me that want to see people change? I want to see people change. I want to see people operating their potential. I want to see lives glorifying God. I want to see excuseless maturity. I want to see people excelling in life. I want to see your life producing what God intended. Now, you know what I know that I have to sow if I'm going to see that? Extraordinary leadership. Because if I'm not extraordinary, my influence is only making you comfortable being. 
maintenance, status quo, just enough to get by, just enough to get by. Do my movements encourage people toward, watch this, do my movements encourage you toward stretching or stagnancy? Hello, somebody. Look at somebody, am I motivating you for the next? Come on, ask somebody, am I motivating you for the next? Or am I motivating you to take a nap? Which one? Are you going to sleep on my watch or are you going to another level on my watch? Hello, somebody. And then lastly, has my fruit, has my faith borne fruit, or is it only the subject of my conversation? Okay, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one of these faith talkers that got nothing to demonstrate that my faith is real. I want my faith to be obvious to all. The Bible said that your growth ought to be obvious to all. We talked about a season, and a season is always about a growth process. So your growth and your faith 